So then, having accepted sacrifice, and having washed in the lava, there is an entrance then into and through a second door. The second door, which is of the same area as the previous door, which was in the linen hangings that surrounded the tabernacle itself and the courtyard, yet narrower and higher. Now there's much symbology there that perhaps we haven't time to dwell on. But as the priest would have entered through that door, he would have had a sight, something like, we're just going to put up on the screen there, with three items of furniture that were there. On the south there would have been the lampstand, to the north the table of showbread, and ahead, before the veil, the altar of incense, surrounded by golden glistening walls, glistening from the light, the only light in this place that came from the lampstand. And there was a beautifully embroidered ceiling and a veil which faced the enterer. So let us consider first the light. The only light in this place, the lampstand, which would have been beholden upon entry into this place. Now perhaps the lampstand and its symbology that we can see is perhaps a little more obvious than some other items of furniture. Come with me to Psalm 119, first of all. Psalm 119, words I'm sure that are familiar in verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the word here represented we can clearly see as a light and that's clearly what this lampstand first of all is going to represent for us but how is that light manifested well that light was manifested wasn't it through a manifestation of the father in the son Matthew and chapter 4 is our next reference just to give to us the, uh, the scriptural references that portray to us the truth of these matters just take verse 16 in the middle of a, a discourse here is essentially the principle of the coming of Christ in verse 16 the people which sat in darkness saw great light and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death light is sprung up so we can have our overhead up as we have we have the lampstand there, a, a, a twofold representation here, but the twofold representation court clearly has its link, doesn't it? We have the Word, we have the Lord Jesus Christ, both of which are spoken of as lights, but of course manifestation of that is in Christ, for he is the Word made flesh. He is that light that was sent, that we might see it manifested in the life of an individual who came to show forth the light in character and in deed. 
let's first first of all look at the left hand side there the aspect of this lampstand representing firstly the word come to Exodus 25 where we have the instructions concerning the making of this lampstand uh, portrayed to us Verse 33. Here we have a description of essentially how the branches looked. Verse 33. Three bowls make, made like unto almonds, with a knob and a flower in one branch. Three bowls made like almonds in the other branch, with a knob and a flower so in the six branches that come out of the lampstand and in the lampstand shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knops and their flowers now you know first of all here that we're using the word lampstand not candlestick uh, it was a lampstand fueled by oil that had to be replenished by the work of the priests uh, it was not a candlestick that was to burn and to be destroyed you remember words of brother John so we have here a description that upon the branches there were three ornaments per cluster of ornaments and there were three clusters of such ornaments per branch therefore each of the six branches had nine ornaments three times three is nine but the central branch if you like which is called the shaft had four such clusters and therefore there were twelve ornaments if we can have our next slide we can see very clearly what this represents to us how many ornaments there were in this lampstand and you take six branches with nine ornaments each well that gives you 54 yet there are a few more in the, the shaft there are 12 there 3 times 4 and therefore we have 66 ornaments and how fitting of course that we have 66 books in the word truly here is the word the light here portrayed to us as this lampstand no word in scripture is wasted all these details are given to us for a reason that we might see what is being shown it is interesting if you actually <coughs> divide uh, those numbers up if we can have our next slide uh, and, and put three branches on one side and a shaft and the branches on the other side that you would actually end up with if you do your maths 27 and 39 and of course there are 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New. And I suspect there's no coincidence in that being the case. So that we can confirm from this how clearly we have a representation of the word which dwells in the holy place. Which is our period of probation. Here is our period of service. And it must be in the light of the word that we serve our God. And how was the light derived? Well it was derived from the oil. And that oil is described to us in the book of Leviticus in chapter 24. Just have a look at that if we could. And just see the 
making of this oil again the, the lessons from here I, I hope are, are easy and, and simple for us to see yet powerful verse 1 of Leviticus 24 and Yahweh spake unto Moses saying command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil pure oil or olive beaten for the line to cause the lamps to burn continually it burns continually clearly because the symbology must be that the word of God dwells continually in the holy place because it must continually be in the forefront of our minds but the oil is beaten from the olive and our understanding of the word of God takes effort brethren and sisters we have to beat the olive to derive the oil in order for us to shine and having taken the effort that oil then needs to be ignited there needs to be that spark and the word of God needs to spark in us a reaction brethren and sisters we need to love these things that we behold we need to love the reading of his word and it needs to bring within us that reaction whereby our only desire is to manifest that word in our lives that becomes a desire of ours and not just something that we think we ought to do <coughs> with that thought come back to Exodus 25 <coughs> it's worthwhile keeping a marker in Exodus 25 we shall spend most of our morning there well what, not all the morning <laughs> what, what's left of it uh, verse 37 and thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof and they shall light the lamps thereof that they may give light over against it you see the effort here that we've described that there is a simple process of a lampstand and oil <coughs> But its purpose is to give light, brethren and sisters. It's to give light. And without the giving of light, the lampstand was of no use to anybody. And so likewise, unless the reading of the word of God causes us to give light, of what benefit does it become to us, brethren and sisters? Where is the outward working of our reading in our daily lives? And as we've read, that the light was never to go out. And the reading of the word of God should cause our light always to shine. And we only have to look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ to see that at every opportunity he quoted scripture. That through the quoting of scripture he might manifest forth the will of God and the character of God. So that brings us back to the chart we had just a moment ago. The word that was indeed made flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ is, I would suggest to you, the shaft. Verse 31 of Exodus 25. 
and thou shalt make a candlestick sorry a lampstand of pure gold of beaten work shall the lampstand be made his shaft and his branches very personal that terminology and deliberately so they are to represent peoples the shaft is personalised and we shall demonstrate this in a moment I hope as the Lord Jesus Christ in particular out of whom comes the branches come to John chapter 15 verse 1 I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit but the fruit was in these branches wasn't it it's described as almonds and flowers and knots and that's how we have to be but the branches you see come forth out of the true vine and so we are essentially the people of the book are we not we are the light bearers but interestingly note what verse 5 of John 15 says I am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit the same bringeth forth much fruit I am the branches bring forth fruit we are the same and what do we read in Exodus chapter 25 verse 35 and there shall be a knop under two branches of the same and a knop under two branches of the same and a knop under two branches of the same according to the six branches they are all of the same we are here together with our Lord Jesus Christ here represented as being of the same we are called are we not to be of the same mind and that same mind is manifested to us isn't it it's on the banner here that same mind is the one which was also in Christ Jesus so we are of the same mind as him that should be our endeavour and it's only in that respect that we could be grafted into the shaft if we are of that same mind so we have up the chart there on the, the one side the word of course is the book we just come back a chapter from Exodus 25 to Exodus 24 where we read of Moses indeed taking the book verse 7 and he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people and they said all that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient so he took the book 
But what does he do with that book? Part that question for a moment. Come back to verse 6. Moses took half of the blood, put it in basins, half the blood is sprinkled on the altar. So the altar is sprinkled with blood. We looked at that briefly on Monday, didn't we? The altar. Verse 8, the, Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. So the people are bound to the altar. We saw that, didn't we? The, the sacrifice was bound to the horns of the altar. And here, there is a binding together of altar and people on the principle of the shedding of blood. And how rightly so. Yet it doesn't tell us in Exodus what happened to the book. But it does tell us in Hebrews. Could you come to Hebrews and chapter 9? here referring back to this same incident in Exodus 24 we read in verse 19 Hebrews 9 and verse 19 for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and the people so not only are we bound to the altar by the shedding of blood, we're bound to the book as well. <coughs> and so, brethren and sisters, we have through the principle of the shedding of blood, the two aspects of the representation of this lampstand brought together, that both the book and the people are sprinkled with the blood. He was the word made flesh. And we seek to emulate his example. And bring ourselves into a binding position with this book. And so brethren and sisters. We are the branches. Come back to Exodus chapter 25. Come back to verse 32. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it. Three branches of the lampstand out of the one side. And three branches of the lampstand out of the other side. We could have our next overhead. We could look at the aspect of coming out of the side. And there's a principle here in scripture isn't there of coming out of the side the principle begins right back in Genesis chapter 2 let's just have a look at that you'll note the reference fairly readily I'm sure the formation of Eve verse 21 of Genesis chapter 2 <coughs> Here we read, Yahweh caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib uh, which Yahweh had taken from man made he a woman and brought her 
unto the man. So we can see the principle here that there was necessary for a deep sleep, that there was a closing up of the flesh. Now what does that teach us, brethren and sisters? It teaches us that here we have the first incident in scripture of the shedding of blood. Because there was an incision made in the side of Adam, which then required a healing. Because he closed up the flesh afterwards, after the incision had been made. And from that, we read, made he a woman. Or as the original is, builded he a woman. And we're talking this week about the building of the tabernacle which is the bride of Christ. And the same principle is here in Genesis 2. The building of a woman, the building of a bride for Adam. But the bride comes out of the side of Adam. Now we can translate that then into the principle of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ clearly. If we could reveal the, the, the second half the Lord Jesus Christ clearly also was put into a deep sleep a deep sleep there representative of death the Lord Jesus Christ was put to death but it was only a sleep it was for three days we know his side was pierced just come to John chapter 19 you remember what we read in Hebrews 9 verse 19 just a few moments ago that when the people and the book were sprinkled by Moses that he mingled the blood with water I should have pointed that out when we read it at your leisure have a look at it again uh, but on that, with that idea in mind of course we read in verse 33 of John 19 But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And we read of that in Hebrews 9, as I've just said. The principle upon which we have the opportunity of being bound to these covenants of promise. And of course, from that outflowed blood but there was a healing he was raised from the dead his body was not to see corruption and of course out of his side came forth his bride the ecclesia was brought forth out of his side just as the principle in the lampstand was that out of the shaft out of the sides of the shaft come forth the branches out of the vine came forth the branches and he is the vine and there are two sides here that have been united as well if we could just reveal the rest of it brother Peter please Jew and Gentile we've been there a few times I think we <coughs> went here earlier this week and, and also this morning earlier on but let's have a look at it again very briefly Ephesians and chapter 2 the branches came forth out of the two sides of the shaft 
three on each side and I certainly think that when we get two certainly in the tabernacle it speaks to us of the bringing together of Jew and Gentile verse 16 that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross the stake having slain the enmity thereby and it required that body to be put to death and the piercing of his side in order for the branches to be brought forth to spring forth out of the shaft and through the two sides opportunity and hope was sent forth to both Jew and Gentile bound together in unity and in fellowship if we come back to Exodus 25 we can see very briefly now how this lampstand was to be made we have then the branches and the shaft we have ourselves and our Lord Jesus Christ and the means by which we have been brought forth as a bride as light bearers out of his side verse 31 and thou shalt make a, a lampstand of pure gold of beaten work shall the lampstand be made his shaft his branches his bowls his knots his flowers shall be of the same we looked at that the same didn't we but practically what this phrase of the same probably means is that they were made of the same block of gold and it was of beaten work that it was to be made of beaten work beaten out of one piece of gold that through that beating process the lampstand should be formed now what principle does that teach us well come to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 because the very principle is clearly that if it is beaten out of one piece of gold it's not if you like glued together or bolted together 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 now I beseech you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye all speak the same thing remember of the same mind and that there be no divisions among you that there be perfectly joined together and you can't be more perfectly joined together than being beaten out of the same piece of gold that indeed has no joins in it and that joining together is in the same mind and in the same judgment and we're back to the principle of unity and fellowship that runs as a thread right through this tabernacle no divisions no joins and here is a principle that the ecclesia is taught here is it not to strive for and how is it possible how is it possible to make a lampstand out of one piece of gold how is it possible that we might try and be perfectly joined together well there's only one way that you can make a lampstand out of one piece of gold Jeremiah chapter 23 
verse 29 is not my word like as a fire saith Yahweh and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces now the two things you need in order to beat a piece of metal into a shape is fire and a hammer and that is the word of God that's the only basis upon which brethren and sisters surely that there can be no divisions that we seek on the basis and the principle of what the word of God teaches us that we should come together on that basis and you know there was no size given to this lampstand most of the furniture is given a dimension but this is not because surely there is no limit to our reading and our understanding of the word of God no limit at all and so it is for us to seek to gain what we can in the opportunity that we have in this period of time that this holy place represents our next piece of furniture and our time moves on was the table of showbread we read of that we come back to Exodus 25 and verse 23 verse 23 thou shalt also make a table of shitting wood two cubits shall be the length thereof a cubit the breadth thereof a cubit and a half the height thereof thou shalt overlay it with pure gold and make thereto a crown of gold round about now there's a simple description of it but what was the purpose of this table of showbread well upon it we know that there were cakes as they are called Leviticus 24 if we could have a look at the description here of what was put upon first of all this table we're going here because it's interesting the word that's used here to describe it verse 5 of Leviticus chapter 24 and thou shalt take fine flour and bake twelve cakes thereof two tenth deals shall be in one cake and thou shalt set them in two rows six in a row upon the pure table the word cakes there actually in the original is the word that means to be punctured and of course we've seen that out of his piercing comes forth his ecclesia verse 7 thou shalt put pure frankincense upon each row that it may be on the bread for a memorial let's put up our, our next slide if we could we have the frankincense for a memorial and in verse 9 we read it shall be Aaron's and his sons and they shall eat it in the holy place so it's to be eaten by the priests and verse 8 tells us when it's to be eaten it was to be eaten every sabbath and verse 8 also tells us that it's to be before Yahweh 
continually. And that's further emphasised in verse 9, what is called a perpetual statute. At the end of verse 8, it's also called an everlasting covenant. So those are the main aspects of the table of showbread on the one side. But what do they represent? Let's quickly reveal the other half, if we could, Brother Peter, and let's just go through them briefly. Twelve cakes punctured. The ecclesia brought forth by his sacrifice. Two rows. Again, we've got Jew and Gentile. Part of the bonds of fellowship together. It is a memorial. There is a memorial put upon those two rows of bread. And it's the frankincense. The Lord Jesus Christ said at the Last Supper, This do in remembrance of me. It's only to be eaten by the priests. And what is it that's only to be eaten by the royal priesthood? Who is it that partakes of bread and wine? And it's every Sabbath. And on the principle of once a week, we meet together around the antitypical table of showbread. And more importantly, it was continually and that's a really important principle Hebrews chapter 10 here's a principle that we must never forget brethren and sisters verse 21 Hebrews 10 verse 21 and having an high priest over the house of God okay that's what we're talking about the priests in the house of God operating in accordance with their commands but verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of of ourselves together as the manner of some is we partake continually when we are able but never to forsake it out of will. And so the principle is there. Until he come, we partake. You know, it's also interesting to note, brethren and sisters, that we're told from Leviticus 24 and verse 9, that it was actually eaten in the holy place. So, of course, the principle applies while we are in fellowship, that it applies. But where's the wine? Where is the wine? Exodus 25, verse 29. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, the spoons thereof, the covers thereof, bowls thereof, to cover with all of pure gold shalt thou make them. Cut up our... Our next slide, please. We can see here what these these words here actually mean. What are the dishes, the spoons, the covers to cover with all? Covers. I think that word, if I've got it right, occurs four times in Scripture. In Chronicles, it's translated cups. If we could take it down. The word bowls, again, occurs four times. The only time it it doesn't occur in Exodus 
this time is in Jeremiah. And again, it's also translated cups. So there were cups on this table. We take it down one more. The phrase to cover with all literally means to pour therein. Into what? The cups. So there was something to pour within the cups. And it's not unreasonable to assume that that was wine, is it, brethren and sisters? That we might have here for us a symbol of our memorial feast in the holy place. For herein, for here is our period of service with the word of God and with our memorial. But you see, in our period of probation now, there's one element missing. We've got the word, we have the memorial. And we have the altar of incense. Exodus chapter 30. Verse 1. And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. A shit of wood shalt thou make it. An altar for incense. The incense, as we know, was to rise up as a fragrance before the Father. Psalm 141. Uh, our brother David took us here earlier on, didn't he, this week? Verse 2. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice so we clearly have the altar of incense as a symbol of prayer and that symbol of prayer is linked with everything else we see in the tabernacle because the fragrance was caused by coals that were taken off the altar of burnt offering so prayer has to be on the basis of sacrifice an acceptance of the sacrifice could we have our next slide please the two altars are linked together we won't look at Leviticus 16, but they're linked together by that coal taken from one altar to the other that was necessary to cause the fragrance. And the altar of burnt offering, <coughs> principle of sacrifice, altar of incense, the principle of prayer, brought together by Romans and chapter 8. And here are our subjects going to, I hope, complement what, what Brother David said about the peace offering. Verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that it that is risen again, who was even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Sacrifice in order for him to become our intercessor, to receive the fragrance of incense represented there of prayer and that's brought together in us isn't it brother David took us to Hebrews 13 verse 15 the sacrifice of praise the altar of burnt offering the altar of incense brought together 
the fruit of our lips. And I think the principle of, of, of what we read in Hebrews is, is brought out of Isaiah 57. And I think here is uh, perhaps the Spirit directed the writer's words here, uh, the writer's mind here. Isaiah 57, verse 19. I create the fruit of the lips. That's the sacrifice of thanksgiving, isn't it? Peace, peace to him. The peace offering that we looked at earlier this morning. To him that is far off and to him that is near. We have the Jew and the Gentile. I will heal him. The principle of the hope of resurrection and life eternal and so it's all there isn't it brethren and sisters in this altar of incense and so therefore our prayers must be offered in a specific and in a correct manner and what is the correct basis of prayer brethren and sisters we can have our next overhead we can see that there are perhaps three principles I want to put up there that we do well to bear in mind Come to Hebrews chapter 7. The offering of prayer must be, as we have just read in Romans, through our altar, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7 verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that cometh unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Through him prayer is offered. But then that prayer needs to have the right ingredients, doesn't it? Exodus 30 teaches us that. Verse 9. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon. No strange incense. So the incense must be right. We know what happened to Nadab and Abihu. And so the ingredients had to be right and they had to be divinely ordained. Prayer is no different. Principle is in James in chapter 4. And we see here how James puts together the aspect of prayer. And we need to think carefully about our prayers, brethren and sisters. What are we praying for and why are we praying? That's not to limit our prayers, of course. But look at verse 3. Ye ask and miss. Sorry, ye ask and receive not. Why? Because ye ask amiss. Strange incense being offered, in other words, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. We don't pray for those things that we lust after in this life. We pray for the things concerning the name of Jesus Christ. 
and the kingdom of God. And so, brethren and sisters, the ingredients must be right. And therefore prayer is thoughtfully done. Exodus 30 verse 8 tells us that it was a perpetual incense that was to be made. That principle perhaps is fairly easy to see. Let's look at it nevertheless. First of Thessalonians and chapter 5. Verse 17. Just three words. Pray without ceasing. And for us there is our perpetual incense, isn't it? But it goes on, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. Without the will of God we'd be nowhere, would we? But notice, in Christ Jesus concerning you. Putting together all the principles that we have. And so when that priest entered into this place, he had before him the principles associated with all that is necessary for our service to our God until he come. That we should be in the light of this word and that we should then reflect that word in the life in which we live. That we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together at the memorial feast for therein is our memorial that we might see and remember that which has been done for us and that we pray without ceasing for indeed that altar of incense was put before the veil and it is that fragrance that would have wafted perhaps through the veil into the most holy place and into heaven our prayers ascend that we might wait for that answer to come and so herein we enter the holy place as the royal priesthood as a holy nation and as a chosen people let us therefore do and act in accordance with that great privilege that we have been given.